0: You're now listening to a podcast of Revolution Church, located at 1702 6th Street in Portsmouth, Ohio. Revolution meets on Sunday evenings at 6.30 p.m. For more information, visit www.revolutionchurchohio.com or check out our Facebook page. All right. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Psalm 100. And grab your seats. Yeah, go ahead and open your Bibles to Psalm 100. Uh, we're getting close to the end of our summer in the Psalms. Right, uh, We got this week and then next week, I think we're looking at Psalm 90, but I don't know that. I have to look at my notes. Uh, but yeah, we got this week and next week, uh, and then starting in September, we're going to be moving on to a one-month-long series called Twisted Scripture, uh, which sounds a lot like Twisted Sister. <laughs> and yeah, like Stephen just mentioned last week, like we needed a logo with like D. Snyder on it. Um, it looked like one of those churches. Anyway. Um, yeah, twisted scripture. We're, we're, next, certain in September, we're going to be looking at verses that people regularly take out of context and put them back in context where they should have stayed to begin with. Uh, but yeah, but this evening we're in Psalm 100, uh, and Psalm 100 is a song of pure praise and thanksgiving. Um, you know, I was actually supposed to preach. Is this Psalm a little? Or is this uh, is this mic a little bit loud? No, we're good? Okay, cool. Uh, I was actually supposed to preach a different psalm uh, than this one. Uh, but as I was looking at the series outline on Monday, I changed my mind. Um, and, you know, I'm not doing the charismatic thing. Uh, where the Lord told me to preach something. Else. I'm not saying that. Uh, but I was thinking. And over the last uh, few weeks, we've talked a lot about suffering. Um, we have went through a lot of psalms. songs. The psalm 88, right, the psalm of suffering Um, And it's a good thing. It's a good and needed thing, especially in American churches for us to talk about suffering a good bit because we need to have a good theology of suffering, right? We've got to have a drawer uh, to pull out and look at that and look at suffering in a proper way. Um, And I know that a lot of you are really in the midst of some serious trials uh, and some serious heartache and depression. Um, And in light of all that, I decided to switch and do a different psalm because the psalm I was going to do was about suffering again, um, I think it's a good idea for us to get our eyes off of our problems for a bit and focus them on the God who has blessed us so much. Right, that's why I wanted to look at Psalm 100. Um, sometimes we can become so consumed with the pain that we're dealing with that we can quickly forget the fact that we have much to thank God for. We have much to thank Him for. So tonight we're going to be looking at a psalm of thanksgiving so that we might give God praise and honor and glory in the midst of the storms of life that many of us currently find ourselves in. Um, you know, psalm 100 is a, a short, little psalm, uh, but it packs a lot of punches. There's a lot to it, and we're not going to be able to go into every single word like I would like to. Uh, but in this psalm, what we're going to see is how important that it is that we praise God with grateful hearts. And we're also going to see some of the big reasons why we must praise God. We're going to see why God has given us the command to be a people of thanksgiving. Again, we have so much to praise and thank God for. And my goal this evening is to bring, uh, or rather to help you remember those things that you ought to be thanking God for on a daily basis. And to help, whatever my role might be in it, to help bring you to repentance if you've forgotten If your heart's grown cold towards God and your affections have died down and you find yourself being ungrateful or not even considering the mercy of God to help bring you to repentance. You know, we we often take so much for granted, but in reality, we should be awestruck by the grace of God displayed toward us every single day that we live and breathe. Uh, So here's my big idea for the sermon this evening. Big idea I think this text is teaching us. As the people of God... We have been blessed by God beyond measure. Therefore, we must praise Him and give Him thanks. This is a very simple psalm. Very simple psalm. So without any more for introduction, Psalm 100. A psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. This is God's Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word given to us. Lord, as we sang in the opening hymn, speak, Lord, speak to us. Speak to us through your word this evening. Show us that you are a great God and greatly to be praised. God, show us where we've been ungrateful this evening. Show us all the reasons that we ought to be grateful. Show us the blessing that is ours in Christ Show us the sovereign mercy that you've given to us. Help us to perceive those things, God. Lord, if there are people that are here that do not know you, I pray that they would see these blessings that belong to your people and they might become envious and they might turn from their sin and look to your son that they might be included in this psalm as well. God, please bless us now as we sit under the ministry of the word do a work of grace in our hearts that we might see you as the great God to whom we owe our worship and our praise and our thanksgiving. I pray you do this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so this psalm starts with a really unique introduction. It says, a psalm for giving thanks. We're going to hang out here for a minute. <laughs> right, uh, this is the only psalm with that introduction in the entire Psalter, by the way. But a psalm for giving thanks. This introduction tells us that God's intention in inspiring this psalm is to instruct us to thank and praise Him and to tell us what we ought to praise Him for, right? The psalms are often instructive. But this psalm is meant to orient our hearts toward Him, right? To have a Godward perspective and also to stoke fires in our hearts that lead to thanksgiving and gratitude. That's the point of this psalm, to stoke our affections towards God. All right, as the people of God, we should be more thankful. Please hear me on this. Sometimes we, we know this, but we don't know this. right? Like I was listening to a preacher say this morning, we're intellectually catechized, but not our hearts. right? Sometimes we know this. We should be thankful, but it doesn't really register on our hearts. But we should be more thankful than any other people in the world. Any other class of creation. More grateful than angels. We should be the most grateful people in the universe and above all other reasons that we might have to be thankful and grateful to God here's why above them all that we should be thankful we have Christ we have Christ and through him we know God as our father we know Christ let that register with you you know the son of God in a saving way Christian you know him no longer alienated from him The promises of God belong to you in Him. You've been grafted into spiritual Israel in Him. You are one of the people of God. We are the people of God. We should be thankful. Even if we had nothing, even if we were homeless and sick and alone and dying on our own, we should still be a grateful people because we have Christ. Through Him we have the forgiveness of sins, the promise of heaven as our home. We have peace with God, no longer children of wrath. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and conforming us more and more to the image of Christ. We are currently being saved from sin and one day we will finally be saved from the presence of sin. Through Christ we have the blessed hope of eternal life to spend eternity in the presence of our God. All of God's promises are ours in Him. This is enough to make us a thankful people. We have Christ, and through him we know our God. Charles Spurgeon once spoke of a, a poor widow who lived in a village, a little poor village in England, and she had no children. Again, she's a widow. Her husband's dead. She lives in a, lived in a small shack of a home, had very little food, nothing really to her name. And one day as she sat down to eat a few pieces of bread for dinner, she looked around at her home and said, I have all of this and Christ. Truly God has been kind and gracious to me. That's a Christian. That's the heart posture of a Christian that can look around and see I don't have anything, but God's given me Christ, and then even this in light of having Christ, everything else becomes more glorious. Christians can clearly perceive the blessing of God in them even when they don't have much. Blessing of God toward them, rather. That's what we should be as the people of God, a grateful, thankful people that can look around our lives and say, God gave me all of this and Christ. This is madness that God's blessed us so abundantly, but too often we take God's blessings for granted and we think that they're commonplace, don't we? Be honest with yourselves. This has been every, we're Americans, right? This has been every one of us at some point or another where we look around and we think, well, of course I have a home. Of course, I have clothes and food and a car and a job. Of course, I have a spouse. Of course, I have children. Of course, I have a good church and friends and family. And we think, if we're honest with ourselves, those things are normal. Those things are normal, and I should have them. They're commonplace. I should have these things, like we're entitled to them. Or and God save us from this, if this is any of us, we hear the gospel and the promises of God that flow from it, and we think, of course God sent His Son. Of of course Jesus lived and died and was raised on my behalf. Of course I have the forgiveness of sins and God is my Father. Of course I have faith. Of course I can pray and be heard. Of course I will spend eternity with my God. What do we mean, of course, whenever we think of those things? How dare we treat these things as common? Or that we're entitled to any of them? We are sinners. We are sinners who have sinned against and offended a holy, pure, and innocent God. All we deserve is the full weight of the wrath of God to come against us. All we deserve is the fires of hell. And yet, God has given us a Savior. And God has given us all of the blessings of the gospel that come from the person and work of Christ. And God has given us all of these earthly, temporal blessings. We deserve nothing but wrath, but God has been so good and so kind to us. Too often, we live our lives with no sense of wonder. And no sense of awe at the grace of God displayed towards us. Never pausing to ponder on how gracious and good that God has actually been to us. Too often, that's us. Never stopping to thank Him. To think of all the blessings that He's given to us. And because of that, we live our lives and lack daily gratitude to God. Right, sometimes you ever hear someone say, count your blessings, and you're like, ah, it's cliche, and you kind of, it's biblical. It's not a cliche. It's a cliche because we have hard hearts. We should daily think on the kindness of God towards us. You know, too often when God allows us to go through trial and pain, consider this, because I know this is a lot of us. Too often whenever we go through trial and pain, we think, why is God allowing this to happen to me? Like, we deserve better. But we never even thanked him for all of the good days of joy where we could easily see his blessings before the trial came. And I'm not saying that that's why he's placed pain on you. I'm not saying that. I'm not God. I don't know that. But you ever think about that in the midst of your pain? God, why are you doing this to me? It's as if he responds and says, did you ever thank me for the good days? No. Too often we're an ungrateful people. So let me ask you this just real quick. Do you have literally anything? Of course you do. It's a rhetorical question. I look around, and we're all clothed, right? As far as I can tell. Not that I'm looking that hard. We're all clothed, right? I'm extremely well-fed, and I know some of you are as well. We drove in cars here, most of us, or at least had knew a friend that could give us a lift. We're going to leave here and go to our homes, right, where we have refrigerators full of food and electricity, Do you have literally anything? I look around and I see most of us or a lot of us are married. Some of us have children. Most of us are going to wake up tomorrow and go to work. Do you have literally anything? Then thank God for it. James 1.17 Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Whatever you have comes from Him. Everything you have Every material blessing from Him. From Him. Everything is His. He's broken off a piece of it and given it to you out of His grace. Thank Him. Let me ask you another question. Is Christ yours? Are you a Christian? Have you repented of your sins and trusted in the Son of God for salvation? If if so, then thank Him. God, Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Paul says here that God is to be blessed by us, we it be grateful to him and thank him and praise his holy name because he has given us every spiritual blessing that we could possibly have. He has not skimped out on us. He's given us every blessing we could possibly have, and he's done it through his son. So thank Him for His blessing towards you, Christian. Both material blessing and spiritual blessing, all from Him to you by sovereign grace. Our prayers ought to be filled to the brim with thanksgiving and praise. Our hearts ought to be overflowing daily with gratitude to God. May it never be said that we, The people of God are an ungrateful bunch of brats. May it never be said that we were a pack of ingrates to a God who has been so merciful. Praise Him. Thank Him. He's been so kind to every one of us. Let's dig into this psalm. Let's dig into this psalm. We're going to start by quickly looking at verses 1, 2, and 4. We're just going to kind of skim over those. Um, not, that they know, they're not, not that they're not worth our time, but for the sake of time this evening, we're going to skim through those. But then we're going to really focus on verses 3 and 5. So let's read 1, 2, and 4. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. So what we just read here is that all people everywhere owe God worship. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, everyone, everywhere owes God worship. All of our gratitude is owed to him. All of our thanksgiving owed to him, right? Not to the concept of the universe, right? You guys ever hear that? You ever watch TV and you just get really annoyed with that? Thank the universe for that. What are you talking about? Right? Like, the universe put me and my husband together. That's stupid. All right? That's really stupid. I wasn't always a Christian, but even when I was an atheist, I always thought, people are dumb when they talk that way. Right? So if you're here and you're not a Christian, um, stop talking like that. that. You sound dumb. Right? The universe. What do you mean, the universe? This impersonal force. Thank you. Who are you thinking, thanking? My redneck's kicking in, and think and thank sound the same. I apologize. Who are you thanking whenever you thank the universe? Or this abstract concept that has brought these things together. The universe doesn't do that. It just is. It's impersonal. Our, thanks, our, our gratitude is owed to God. Yahweh, the God of the scriptures. That's who, that's who deserves all of our worship. Nothing else. Nothing else. Again, we can express gratitude to people who have helped us, but ultimately it all goes up to God. It all goes to Him. You know, all of us naturally have feelings of gratitude and seek to express it in some way. To someone or to something. Right? That's why you hear unbelievers thanking the universe, even though that sounds ridiculous. It's because everyone experiences this overwhelming feeling of gratitude. Whenever something happens that's good to you, a blessing comes to you, but you can't trace it back to any human origin, and people just feel gratitude. All of these expressions are owed to God. He's due to them. In fact, you feel this way, this overwhelming feeling of gratitude towards something, because everyone intrinsically knows that God exists. We were created for worship. All the earth owes Him worship. He is to be worshiped and praised. That's why we feel gratitude all the time. Because there is a God, and it's to Him that the world owes their worship. But we owe Him not just our gratitude, we also owe Him worship and service. To serve the Lord with gladness, right? Service is our obedience to Him, walking in step with His commandments, and our holy living. Right? We owe Him service and worship and praise. We speak with our mouths the good things of God and extol Him with our voices. And we're commanded to do all of this with a willing heart. Serve the Lord with gladness. It's an attitude. Joy. Make a joyful noise to Him. or to praise Him and to worship Him and thank Him out of, with hearts overflowing with joy. Because we want to do it. Because we want to praise him. We want to declare his goodness. Because we love him. So what we read in verses 1, 2, and 4, just to sum it up real quick, are seven commandments that all overlap a little bit, but are telling us to praise and worship God with thankful hearts. Right? That's pretty easy to see, and I'm not gonna labor that point. And we could spend a lot of time on those verses. Right? I really wanted to hit verse 4 and tell you all how that's talking about corporate worship. Enter into his courts. Enter his gates. Right? That's what we're doing right now. Not that this building itself is holy, but we're coming together as his people. I'm already making the point. Anyhow, we don't have time to go into all that stuff. But I just want you to see, above all things, in these three verses, the plain commandments that we should thank and praise him with glad hearts. But why? Why? Why should we praise God? Why should we thank him? Why should we have grateful hearts to him? I love this. That more often than not, God tells us the why, right? Because whenever you read the Bible, you should be asking questions. Why would God say this? Why did this happen? Why would God act this way? God gives us the why right there in the text. More often than not. As he gives the command, he gives the reason for the command. Verses 3 and 5 tell us at least six reasons why we should praise and worship God with grateful hearts. So we're going to dig through those line by line. Verse 3. Know that the Lord, He is God. There's your first reason. Know that Yahweh, He is God. The God of the Scriptures is God, and He is God alone. First reason you should worship Him. He is God alone. There is no other God besides Him. He alone. Is the eternal one. There is none higher than him. He is infinite. He is the source of all that is. He is the uncreated one. He is God. And the verse says, know this. Know that the Lord, he is God. So people of God, know this. Ponder on it. Contemplate it is what that means. To know it. Contemplate this. He alone is God. He alone is perfect. He According to Matthew, Henry is the first cause and last end of all things. It's a beautiful way to put it. First cause and last end. He is holy. He alone is holy. He is other from everything else. He is God and not a man. He is God and not a man. By his very nature of godhood, he deserves our praise. If for no other reason than because he is God. So hear me, he is God and you are not. He is God and you are not. Therefore, worship him as God. You're obligated to worship him because, again, if for no other reason, because he is God, we worship him. Second reason, it is he who made us and we are his it is he who made us and we are his. It is God who made us, so the King James says, it is he who made us and not we ourselves. Right? And there's some dispute on which one should be used. We'll use them both. It's he who made us and not we ourselves. You didn't make yourself. You didn't make yourself. He made you. And because he made you, we are his. Right? You are his property. You ever think? Do you think about yourself that way? He made me, so I, I literally belong to him. And I'm not even talking in a salvific sense yet. I'm not talking about as the covenant people of God that we belong to him in a saving way, but legit, just because he, uh, he made us, so he owns us. We didn't make him. We are his creations. right? Matthew Henry, again, I, I use his commentaries a lot. Matthew Henry said, I can say that I am, but I cannot say I am that I am. I can say that I am. So to whom do I owe my existence? I owe God. I owe it to God. And as such, as creations, we owe our Creator whatever He is pleased to to require of us at any time. Because He is Creator and we are creation. He can tell us whatever He wants. And we're obligated to do it. And He demands worship. He demands that we be glad and thank Him and praise Him. According to Paul, it is in him that we live and move and have our being. Again, he made us. He is completely independent of us. He depends upon nothing. He subsists in and of himself. But we, our whole existence, is completely dependent upon him. He holds everything together. He made us. He is God. He is above us. He owns us. He can do with us whatever He wants, and He can ask of us whatever He pleases. And as the works of His holy hands, we are duty-bound to submit and do whatever He commands. And He has commanded that we worship Him. He is creator. You are creation. You owe Him worship. You owe Him praise. You owe Him thanksgiving. I want to stop here and say this. And I'm hammering those hard. I want you to see a very big God. A very big God in these first two statements. A huge, towering, sovereign, holy creator to whom all the earth owes their very existence and therefore their worship. Right? These first two statements that we've looked at, these first two reasons that the psalm gives us to worship and thank and praise God, they are power statements about God. And I really like those kind of statements. Whenever God just, he just flexes on us, right? I am God. You're not God. I made you. Worship me. I love that. And this psalm could have ended there. The psalm could have ended there and we would be furnished with enough reason to praise and thank God. It could end there and that would be enough reason for us to thank God. But in His grace, God gives us more. He gives us more. The psalm's tone actually shifts halfway through the third verse, I think. And it shifts to something more intimate for the people of God. It's a stunning and gentle reminder to us that we are God's special possession. It says we are His people. Do you think about yourself this way, Christian? We are His people. This mighty God that can flex on us and say you worship me because I made you and you owe me I can do with you whatever I want and I say worship me so do it then turns around and says you are my people we are his people the thought of this should make us shout for joy that we are his people in eternity past, God decreed that from the mass of fallen sinful mankind that He would set aside a people for His own special possession, a people that He would save by the blood of His Son, a people that He would forgive of their sins and redeem and make righteous in His sight through His Son, a people that He Himself would care for and be God too, a people that He would love with a special love that He will not show to another group. He decreed all of that. And he has chosen us to be part of that people. He's chosen you, Christian, to be part of that people. If you're a Christian, you have been chosen to be part of this people that God calls the church. Hear me. By free, sovereign grace, we are his people. We are his people. And he did not have to do this. I don't know if we think about that enough. He didn't have to. He didn't have to save us. He didn't have to do anything. He's God. He didn't have to do anything. He did not have to change us from children of wrath into children of God. He could have left us in our sins. He could have left us in Adam to perish under his wrath. He didn't have to choose us, but he did. He chose us to be his people. And we are his people. Guys, what kind of grace is this? That we should be the people of God. Like John says in 1 John chapter 3, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. What kind of grace is this? That He would choose filthy sinners like us to be a part of His holy nation that He set His love on before time began. If this doesn't put the fire of gratitude and desire to worship in your heart, then nothing will. That God chose you to be His people. But not only has He chosen us to be His people, He cares for us as His sheep. Verse 3 says, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. This is a word picture that reminds us that God takes care of us. And He does it Himself. I love that. He does it Himself. We are the sheep of His pasture. That means that He is our shepherd. He is our shepherd. He tends to His people Personally. Like as God, he could relegate this task to another creation. But God intimately cares for his people and says, they are the sheep of my pasture. I will care for them myself. This brings to mind Psalm 23 that we started the service with. Where we're told in that psalm that because God is with us, that's the centerpiece of that psalm, for you are with me. Because He is with us, we lack nothing that we need. We lack nothing that we need. That He cares for us materially and spiritually. That He gives us rest and refreshment in Christ. That God promises to direct us and correct us for the sake of His own glory. He feeds us by His own hand. We are His sheep. Again, think on how intimate this kind of love is from our Father. And I'm I'm prone to forget this. He really does love. Love you, Christian. He really does love you. He really loves his people. He doesn't look at us with disdain. He looks at us and says, my sheep that I'm going to take care of, my sheep that I care for, you belong to me. I don't just tolerate you. I, put, I don't just put up with you. I care for you. And because he cares for us, we are secure in his loving care. And again, that should make us rejoice, that God personally cares for us. Again, as I said earlier, that he loves his covenant people too much to allow anyone else to care for them. So he keeps his hand upon us. And he tends to all of his sheep. Right? I know this is a corporate psalm for the whole body, but he tends to all of his sheep. He cares for us all individually according to our needs as well as corporately as his whole people. He cares for every one of us individually. He has the strength to do that. He doesn't get tired. He's always guiding all of us, and he loses no sheep. Like John 10 tells us, he doesn't lose sheep, he's the good shepherd. But can't we all point back to various instances in our lives and see that was my God? whether He was holding something back from you or He gave you something, can't you point back to a point, place in your life and say, that was God, that that was God caring for me, that was God providing for me? All of us, if we're honest, we can do that. Would any of us ever dare say that God has ever deserted us and left us to live in our own strength and to figure things out on our own? Of course not. He's taken care of us because we are His sheep and He is the good shepherd of our souls. We must praise him for his care for us. But now, finally, we come to a summary statement about God. Why should we worship him with thankful hearts? Verse 5 For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Why should you thank him? Why should you worship him? He is good. I think the rest of this verse is just explaining what that means. For He is good. His goodness means that He is the source and standard of all good. That He is perfect. And from these manifold perfections of God, He acts in this perfection toward us in a way that we benefit from. That's what His goodness is. His goodness is the sum total of all of his attributes. And he acts in that perfection so in a way that we would benefit from. So from his goodness, we receive blessing. From his goodness, right? his goodness imita- it emanates from him and to us. And because he is good, we are blessed. Not one of Christ's people can ever say that God hasn't been good to them. Can one of us ever say... Christian can you say that God has not blessed you that he has not been good to you even in the darkest hours and deepest valleys and darkest nights of the soul we can always look back on our lives and see the goodness of God toward us he's blessed us that he sustained us that he's given us strength that we did not have in our own to get through And when everything is said and done, we can look back and see that the pain has resulted in blessing for us as God has worked through it. And I'm not saying materially, I mean spiritually. We've grown from it. We trust Him more. He's blessed us spiritually by the end of all of our trials. Surely we can see that God has carried us through trials in the past and He's provided for us in more ways that we can count. If we really sit down and think about them, He's provided us life through His Son. He's given us literally everything that we have. He is good. And as His people, we receive blessing from that goodness. And from His goodness flows His steadfast love. From His goodness flows His steadfast love that endures forever. And from His goodness flows His faithfulness to all generations. Let's consider His steadfast love. Because he is good, because he is good, his love for us will never run out. Hear that, Christian. His love for you will never run out. His love is a fountain that you cannot run dry. His mercy, his grace, his faithfulness towards you, his love, you cannot run it out. He's never going to stop acting on your behalf for your good. You are the object of His mercy and His love. And He will always show it to you. His love endures forever. And He will forever be faithful to us. Even when you're not faithful to Him. Paul says He will continue to be faithful because He cannot deny Himself. He will not deny Himself a people. So even in the midst of our faithlessness, He will be faithful to us. His faithfulness endures through all generations. Please hear me on this. Our God is a God of patience. Faithfulness that endures, love that endures forever, a God of patience towards us. Again, He doesn't tolerate us. Even in the midst of our sin, He is patient toward us. He continues to love us, even in the midst of our rebellion. He continues to work repentance in us, time and time again. He is the God of patience with us because He is good. That's why His love endures forever. That's why He's patient. He's merciful and gracious with us. No matter the sins that we commit, no matter how often that we fail, nothing can shake His faithfulness and steadfast love for His people. His mercy and grace know no end. We are eternally His forever. Please let me say this. What kind of a God is this? (laughs) Why should we worship Him? Why should we come to Him with thankful hearts? What other God is like this? In any false religion in the world, show me a God that rivals Him. Any God you can imagine in your mind, show me a God that rivals Him. No one loves like this. No one is patient like this. No one has mercy like this. No one is good like this. Why should we worship Him with thankful hearts? Because there is none like Him. None like Him. No one else deserves our gratitude and our worship and our praise. No one deserves it but Him. He stands alone, unchallenged, unrivaled in His goodness towards us. All praise and glory and honor and worship and thanksgiving belong to our God alone because He is God. He has made us and owns us. He has made us into His people. He cares for us. He is good. And His steadfast love and faithfulness knows no end for His people. So we can say, all creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing, Oh, praise Him. He has been so good. We must worship Him with glad hearts because of who He is and the mercy He's shown us. So, as we wrap all this up, let me me say something. If you've been living with an ungrateful heart, never stopping to consider God's great love and mercy towards you, if you've been living a life of thankless prayer, taking for granted all that God has done for you and how good He has been to you in Christ, you must repent. You must repent. I don't mean to sound harsh and I don't mean to sound unsympathetic. I don't care what you're going through in your life. I mean, I care. But in this instance, I don't care. You must repent. No matter what kind of pain God might be letting you go through, no matter what kind of sorrow or trouble or trial that is on you, you must repent if you've been living a life of ingratitude. Because how dare any of God's creation live this way? Whatever it is that you think that you might be lacking, you lack nothing. Because God has been so kind to you. Repent. Let your ungrateful heart be broken by the truth that God has been so good to you. Let it be broken. Go to God and confess that you've been living as an ungrateful child and then look to your Savior. Again, He's merciful. His steadfast love endures forever. Look to your Savior as you repent and know that Jesus Christ died for ungrateful people. And that He also lived a life of perfect thanksgiving in your place. So look to Him. Repent of your sin and your ingratitude and look to Him because God's steadfast love endures for you, you ungrateful sinner. Forgiveness is yours in Christ, so run to Christ and let your gratitude for the forgiveness that you have just received, let thankfulness well up in your heart that you might worship him with the gratitude that you should have had all along. All of us must live lives of thankfulness. We must all live lives of praise. We must live each day in praise to God for his multitude of blessings that he has given us. We must pray prayers of thanksgiving to him and let that be a daily theme. We must daily recount the goodness of God toward us and never neglect to be glad in our hearts toward him. He has been too good. He has shown us too much kindness and love for us not to respond this way. I'll leave you guys with a quote from Charles Spurgeon. says expiatory sacrifices are ended but those of gratitude will never be out of date so long as we are receivers of mercy we must be givers of thanks so may god grant his people hearts that are bursting with gratitude toward him let's pray father we thank you for your word for the blessings that are ours in your son the forgiveness of sins that we have, the fact that you in sovereign grace have chosen us to be your people, that you care for us, that your love and faithfulness are eternal towards us. Lord, forgive us for our ingratitude. I know that all of us have not been grateful the way that we should. All of us. God break our hearts. Help us to see your, your your vast goodness toward us. Lord, seal this text in our hearts. That we might never cease to give thanks. That we might never cease to be grateful. And Lord, now we ask that you'd receive our praise and our worship and our thanksgiving as we come to you in song. Please bless us and keep us. Forgive us of our ingratitude and help us to walk in step with the spirit with thankful hearts. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.